Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation, Women in the Field. Hi, Shatter listeners. We have an exciting announcement to kick off this podcast. Shatter is transitioning our leadership team. We have three new co-hosts and leads that will be taking over Shatter. In the meantime, I'll be working with them to transition out of season three and into season four. But today, to kick things off, my co-host is Amrita. Amrita, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself really quickly. Hello, Shatter listeners. Uh, my name is Amrita. I have been with Rockwell for two and a half years. I started as an asset management professional, so it's basically based out of customer side, daily interactions with the customer. So you kind of feel more of an employee of the customer than the Rockwell because it's really remote locations. And most of the time, you don't necessarily have any other um, interactions with the fellow Rockwell employees besides the, the online interactions, right? Um, so that was one of the reasons I kind of joined RA Wi-Fi to be in touch with the with the women in, in field here at Rockwell. And so I was communication lead there for close to a year and a half. And then I was listening to Shatter and I thought that that was a good opportunity to grow. So that, that's how I kind of started with all this between Shatter and RA Wi-Fi. Um, so happy to be here. Awesome. Thank yeah, thanks, Amrita. We also will introduce in the next uh, coming weeks, Haley Kelly and Reagan Matthews, who, like I mentioned, will be transitioning to season four. But enough of that for now, because we have a really exciting guest today. We have Nellie Gilman with us. Nellie leads an organization of industry solutions domain experts at Rockwell, or the way she calls them, the Navy SEALs of industry consulting. Originally from Russia, Nellie graduated with a Master of Science in Control Systems Engineering from the Russian State University of Oil and Gas in Moscow. Nellie brings over 20 years of international engineering and leadership experience to the topic we want to discuss today, confidence. One of Nellie's personal discoveries is that the reason so many people never fulfill their potential is not a lack of intelligence, opportunity, or resources, but a lack of belief in themselves. Nellie's confidence is well-tested, and I'm excited for our conversation today to learn more. So Nellie, welcome to Shatter. Thank you. Thank you, Kira. How are you doing today? Feeling confident? I, yes, my confidence is being tested once again. <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay, on that note, let's do a quick roundtable. So Amrita and Nellie, how would you define confidence? I, I think I'll go first because I'm pretty sure Nelly will have a lot to add on. So um, I think somewhat to do with sometimes I feel it's as simple as um, speaking up. Like you could be in a, you know, in a, in a bunch of meetings and you have some opinions and ideas, but you don't necessarily speak up because probably you don't have that trust or you don't feel confident enough at, at that moment. So what about you, Nelly? Yeah, I think you got it right, Marita. Confidence, well, and I believe today we are talking about self-confidence, um, is the inner trust in yourself and your own abilities. Mm, that resonates. When I think of confidence, the, f- the feeling that I get is really grounded, really rooted, 
Um, that way, no matter what comes your way, you're able to shift and flex and meet the needs of, of whatever's going on in your life. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, Nellie, would you consider yourself a confident person then? Have you always thought this or has this been a journey? Yes, it, it is my superpower, one of them. But, you know, confidence is not, it's not really part of our personality and it's not static. It does go up and down. And I believe that it's a skill that can and should be developed. So it's definitely a lifelong journey. Um, every time you're outside of your comfort zone, it gets tested. And, and when I say that it should be developed, it's because confidence has been proven to increase your effectiveness, generally leads to more success, better relationships, and overall happiness. How about you, Kira? Do you consider yourself a confident person? Okay, turning the tables on me. I, <laughs> I think I feel the same way. And, and sometimes when people talk about confidence, they do it can be talked about as if it's a personality trait. And I think you're absolutely right. Confidence is something that you can grow because I've found the more that I challenge myself and put myself in new situations to see how I react, how I interact with other people, um, that it does grow because I'm becoming more self-assured. And I think maybe that's that's a key component of it. Amrita, what about you? Now, now I have to know everybody's opinion. Um, I think I couldn't agree more. It is, um, it kind of fluctuates, right, from time to time. For example, um, my, my previous role, I was, you know, talking to the customers, you're very confident because you kind of know what you're talking about. And I recently switched roles in, in Rockwell, right? It's, um, it's leading a team, it's operations, which I haven't really uh, worked so much on 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 it like contract management so there I'm, I'm still finding my ground right like many a times I'm, I'm in the calls and it's like a fly on the wall because I'm still absorbing and learning uh, but I think I couldn't agree more right it is something um, that you can grow on but I think I'm, I'm here to kind of you know have another question for for Nelly when it kind of broaden into that is um Talking of up and down and, you know, how the confidence changes with time, we, we are living through an era of, of work right now, right, where uh, things are really different. They are somewhat unique as well. And um, the career development is a key part of navigating in, in this world, right? We hear about this a lot in um, RAY5, whether it's like stay connected events or the different forums we have for the questions. To share some of the data, for example, if you look at is um, like COVID has impacted workplace confidence significantly right? and it's it's impacted them whether or not women are employed for example 67 percent of um, employed and 67 60 percent of unemployed women said that their confidence was impacted somewhat or a lot due to pandemic so that's that those are some of the so, some of the stats that we have um, so we were wondering how, how do you balance for example the your competence and and the confidence um, yeah yeah, so, you know, my reaction to this numbers is I see this every day, regardless of COVID. I just, as I look around our organization and I meet uh, female engineers and just, you know, female coworkers in general at Rockwell, 
I can't stop by thinking that in front of me are bright, super intelligent, smart, just can't do anything, you know, type of women. And yet they don't get far as far as I can see their potential could bring them. And it is due to the lack of confidence. So COVID obviously has affected um, that confidence level, not only in women, but in men also. But what I believe is that we as women have to go through so many more struggles going into the engineering field, choosing the engineering major, staying through that journey through the end, then going into the engineering companies that that are highly dominated by the white male em employees. And we have to prove ourselves so much more and so much harder than you would think that we could go so much further. And yet we have we have the lack of confidence and that is what holds us back. So when you are asking me, like, how do you build confidence? Well, let's build this kind of like as a logical sequence. So we kind of already established that confidence is trust in yourself and believing that you're capable. So let's talk about trust. Like, how do you get to trust another person? Like, what do you do? You meet somebody and you try to build trust. Like, Amrita, what do you do to get to trust another person? I think sometimes it, it does take time, like especially if it's work-related, right? So many a times it comes from uh, interactions, like, you know, you have, for example, calls with people or now because most of it is virtual nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I think it's also in part with um, the kind of work you're dealing with. So I think I think many a times it's, it's collaboration and the time that it takes to kind of know each other. Um, and also where you kind of put up you know where sometimes i feel uh, okay like do i know what my strengths are when i'm in that conversation and i'm am i also able to communicate hey this is my this is where i'm learning or this is where i'm improving it kind of am i able to communicate so if i'm comfortable sharing that with someone i feel like okay that that trust is established because now that person is not necessarily i'm not being judged on on the weaknesses but you know that is something that okay, yeah, there, there she needs to grow and this is where we kind of need to help her or, you know, th those might be the questions she might have. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so you touched on a very important part, right? In, in order to build trust uh, with another person, you need to get to know them, right? Learn about their likes and dislikes and how they match yours and learn about their values. And and one of the best ways to is to go through the experiences with that person to see those values in action. You know what? It's no different with yourself. To build trust in yourself, which is to build confidence, you need to get to know yourself. And of course, we have all kinds of you know, personality tests that we can take to learn about ourselves. And that's a good start, right? Social styles, Myers-Briggs, PI index, strength finder, you take it. But the biggest learnings come when you challenge yourself to do something that's just beyond your normal comfort zone, which means seeking experiences to face your fears. That's when you really get to know yourself. That's when you really get an opportunity to build trust in yourself. So 
in order to build the confidence, you need to face your fears. What fears do you have? Kira? No fears. <laughs> oh, no, I, I uh, no, I'm, I'm really afraid of um, public speaking. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm very much a, um, I think at a really high level, and details frustrate me. So I'm always very. My fear is always that I'm going to you know, miss some details or I'm not going to look at something close enough. And so um, I try to combat that by talking with a lot of different people with different perspectives and keep the engineers on my team very close so that I'm not missing details and and that sort of thing. But um, I would say when I, you know, in a work setting, when I'm thinking about taking another role or signing up for another responsibility or something, that's where my head goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of the most common fears are the fear of failure, right? Obviously, the fear of rejection, a fear of change, the fear of public speaking, and a lot of others. So if you think of what some of the biggest fears that you have are, how do you face them? And I would say to face your fear, you need to take a risk, but you need to take a safe risk. Right? You don't have to do anything grand. You know, if you're afraid of heights, you don't have to go and sign up for bungee jumping. You can just go hiking and just get on top of the mountain and take a look for a few seconds. You can start just dabble. Exactly. <laughs> well, so for example, for example, public speaking. Now, I did not have a fear of public speaking, but when I moved to the United States, I was very self-conscious about my accent. I wasn't sure whether people can understand me, whether people hear me speak and think of me um, as an intelligent person, the way I think of myself, right? So I joined Toastmasters and Toastmasters is a club uh, for public speaking. Uh, It's a safe and friendly group where everyone is there to improve their public speaking skills. So. You start small, you you join a club, you attend a couple of meetings, then maybe you sign up to deliver a speech, then another one. Then you start through that experience, you start gaining confidence in your speaking abilities. And eventually you might decide to go and deliver a speech outside of the club, maybe participate in a competition. This is the path that I'm telling you how I went through. Um, eventually I got confident enough to, I was part of the Rock Automation Advance ERG and I signed up to lead the executive meet and greet event where I had to introduce all the executives, go through the event and basically the MC of the event, right? Then I got bold. And the reason why I thought that was one of the safest way to do this is because it wasn't a work-related topic, right? I thought, oh, I'm a social environment. I can lead an event. It's large enough. It's going to give me exposure to so many people. I will immediately understand how people take my accent. Then I took the next step and I signed up to present at the all-employee meeting about the work topic. Then I decided to present at the Society of Women Engineers National Conference around my profession. Well, now look at me. I'm on your podcast. 
It's a step by step, <laughs> yeah. right? And this I is the pinnacle. This is the ultimate. Yes, this is <laughs> yeah. the ultimate freedom of. You've made it, Nellie. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> be, because here's the thing: in all of these previous experiences, people not only could hear me but also see me at the same time. This is the first time I'm participating in something where people can only hear me. This this is where my accent is just all in front of you, as it right. So think about your fear and start with something, something that you're maybe a little bit already comfortable with and then build on it. Um, one of the examples I recently heard in uh, our RA Wi-Fi Stay Connected event in Denver, well, one of the ladies, um, Chelsea, and she allowed me to use her name in the podcast, Chelsea Krause, <laughs> she wanted to improve her public speaking skills. But she went about it in a different way. So she is, um, she does a lot of fitness. She does a lot of exercising. So to test her public speaking skills, she signed up to teach a fitness class. So she's already, she's already comfortable with fitness as is, right? So she's not comfortable with public speaking. So she connected those two and went for the experience. And she said that really helped her not only with the public speaking skills, but also to face her fear of failure. Because she said, any snafu you have in front of the audience, you just need to go with it. You need to pretend that everything is normal. And so she used that as an example. So taking safe risk is the way to go to start building confidence. And you know, you, you might just tell me, well, Nelly, that's great, right? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to face my fear and I'm going to go for that experience. And what if I actually do fail? True. Yeah, that's a big well, thought. Here's the great news. And that is, I don't know if everybody knows about it, but so confidence is not the result of success. Confidence is the result of taking action in the first place. Mm. Because if you succeed, well, that will feel great. And of course, that does boost your self-confidence. But if you fail, you will learn something. And this is very important. You need to reframe what looks like a failure into a valuable lesson. You will learn how not to do it, which helps you build your competence. You will learn something new about yourself your feelings, your reactions, your likes, your dislikes, maybe even more about your values. And all of it as an experience brings you closer to yourself, brings you closer to knowing yourself, and therefore helps you build trust in yourself. And even self-love, when you embrace your weaknesses and quirks and, you know, dare to be the real you. That is so actionable. Thank you so much, Nellie. It makes me think when I was young, I had somebody tell me there are very few things in life that you can really mess up to the point of detriment. And I don't think I, I thought about it that, that way up until that point. I think I was, you know, probably early on in high school or something. And it made it feel like, okay, to your point, Nellie, just take the next step forward. Just focus on the next right thing to do. And And when you break taking on something that can feel as as hefty as confidence, it makes it bite-sized so that you can move forward. And, and as long as you're moving forward, you're building on it. You're changing HMI needs of your customers. 
drive you to look for new ways to improve your process, your efficiency, and your deliverables. We get that. Factory Talk Optics, Rockwell Automation's next visualization solution is being designed for visionaries. With a web browser to design and test your HMI projects and saving them to our vault in the cloud, your team can collaborate anytime from anywhere. And remote access capabilities allow you to show projects to stakeholders before they even ship, increasing satisfaction and accelerating project timeliness. It's one easy to access, easy to deploy tool, so if you need to improve collaboration, scalability, and interoperability to achieve your HMI vision, keep looking ahead with Factory Talk Optics. So I find a lot of the time it's easier to stand up for others than to stand up for yourself, which feels like a way that confidence can be on display for many women. Um, Like, let's say your friend orders a meal with no pickles and it comes with pickles and you put herself in your shoes and you're way less afraid. Mm-hmm. to speak up but if it were your own situation you'd, you'd probably let it slide because you know but it's your friend so you're not afraid to speak up right so my point is with that silly example confidence can manifest differently in various situations are there specific techniques or practices you use to boost your confidence before specific events like presentations meetings or and this one I think is really important, um, really challenging conversations, maybe where you have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so going first to the friend, right? I mean, I don't know if it has to do with confidence. Honestly, I think that the situation with when you can stand up for your friend is all about how it makes you feel, right? Like, so when you have to um, help a friend, how does it make you feel? And it feels good. You're you're helping. You're there. You're altruistic. You're selfless. How does it make you feel to stand up for yourself now that it's Ah, right? It makes you feel selfish. Yeah, true. So so I think that question is actually a lot about reframing. But let's go back to your final question about any specific techniques to boost your confidence before presentations, meetings, or challenging conversations. That's good. the secret is, in in my mind, is in preparation. It When you have an important meeting coming, when you have a presentation to deliver, when you need to have a critical or tough conversation, you need to prepare for it. So how do you prepare for something like this? Um, you rehearse, right? I do a lot of rehearsing before the important meetings and presentations. Uh, In Toastmasters, I'm going to keep bringing it up (laughs) throughout our podcast episode today because it is Toastmasters that of all of the experiences I went through in my life within the United States, that's the one that helped me build my confidence the most effectively. I can't speak enough about the benefits of Toastmasters. But in Toastmasters, they say, 
you don't have to memorize everything because then you will not sound authentic, right? And it's going to be just hard for you to, you know, to be very scripted. But you need to remember the beginning and the end of your presentation. And if you have that nailed down, then you speak with confidence because your beginning just starts with the very strong statement. Then your end is the call to action, right? In between, you can, you can look at the slides and you can look at your script. The second thing you do to prepare is you prepare for potential questions and maybe even potential reactions to your words, to your slides, to whatever that is, and then you prepare the answers. And those questions might not come up during the presentation, but the fact that you prepare for them just furthers your understanding on the topic and builds your confidence when you speak about that topic as well. And finally, to prepare, you practice. Practice with a friend or a colleague, anybody who is willing to listen and provide the feedback. I remember in my early days as, as a project manager, I was working on a project where one of the engineers was not following through on their deadlines, was not attending the meetings on time, was not just just putting the, our project at you know, jeopardy. And I was preparing for a tough conversation. I Googled a whole bunch of articles on how to have a tough conversation with an employee, how to communicate. I got all those best practices. I prepared my speech. And probably that would be good enough. However, I did one more step. I went and talked to my human resources um, business partner. I didn't give him the name of an engineer. I just said, hey, I'm going into a tough conversation tomorrow. I need to run my speech by you. And can you provide me the feedback whether you think it's effective or not? I went through this and he said, well, that's good. But what if that person is in denial? What if that person says, no, I always complete things. No, I, I'm always at your meetings. What are you talking about? I didn't really say that. I, if I didn't have that practice with my HRBP, I probably would be caught off guard if that happened during our real conversation. And that actually did happen during the real conversation. This is exactly how the engineer reacted, but I was prepared, right? So my HRBP really helped me um, brainstorm different reactions and different questions that might come up and how I would respond to them. And that gave me ultimately confidence going into that presentation. So when you prepare for a presentation or a meeting or a tough conversation, preparation is key. Rehearse, um, think about the potential questions and look for answers. Practice with a friend. And the final piece right before, maybe right before you go into that scene, do two things. First one is if you feel scared, reframe it. Instead of saying, oh, I'm scared or oh, it's kind of scary, say, I'm excited. Or even if the first phrase that comes to your mind is, oh, I'm kind of scared, then immediately add, but I'm also excited. It's going to be great. Even saying those words to yourself is going to reframe your brain and it's going to put it into more positive and more confident framework. The last thing that sometimes we need to practice is the power pose. 
Have you have you seen that TED talk about the power pose? Yeah, when you just stand in front of the mirror and you take up space, you just put your hands up and wide and legs too, just very wide, take up space. And that also sends the signal to your brain for more confidence. How about that for practical technique? Yeah, listeners <laughs> who, who can't, of course, you can't see the video, but Nelly was actually doing the power pose for us. <laughs> and I kind of looked at her and I was couching down and I thought, okay, you know, I should just sit up and kind of, start practicing those things. Um, Nelly, the other question we have for you is kind of bringing back this conversation to the promotion and the salary gap for women. So there are so many, I mean, we could go into stats all day, right? Many things that talk about like women, not, they don't necessarily promote themselves as much as, as men. Um, but I was applying for a job after I graduated MBA during COVID and before I got the job with Rockwell. I was running by some of my friends, um, mostly uh, men, some of my colleagues, right? To say, hey, do you think I, I should apply for this job? Because it's like 20% 20, 20 applicable or something. And he's like, you know what? If I was you, even if it's if, if I read one line which is applicable, I would have applied to that. Uh, so let's say a person is in a position where they believe that they're, they're ready for the next role, but they are internally battling um, with the security that should they go for it or not? Or maybe they are struggling with the external perceptions. Um, in the in respect that getting others to see if they are ready right what they what they are kind of made of whether what their competence level is yeah. um, when navigating when such such ambiguity right so how do we leverage confidence to kind of seize opportunities yeah i think we all have been there looking at your potential new role next role and just going for it it's likely that most people feel self-doubt and fear to a degree when going for their next role. And it's totally normal. You know, I really like, it made me think, I really like learning about neuroscience and, you know, their discoveries. Every year, I listen to a lot of podcasts and lectures, just find the brain and how it works, a very fascinating topic. So neuroscientists say that our brains are hardwired to be lazy. And the reason for that is because our brains are designed to conserve energy. And so fear is one of the tools that the brain uses. Now, fear is one of those instincts that, you know, throughout the centuries, like it used to protect us from the physical dangers of the wild world. Right, but throughout the time, kind of adapted to now responding to pretty much anything that takes us out of our comfort zone. Because getting out of the comfort zone means spending energy. You need to spend energy, and your brain is trying to prevent that. The thing is, we are not our brains. We can choose which thoughts to think. When we choose to believe our fear and stay in our comfort zone, in that familiar space, in their routine activities, then we stay protected from the experiences. We live life completely unaware of our ability to grow and to develop new strengths and new skills. And so then the less we experience those opportunities for mistakes and for failure, then the more scared we become of what could happen if we were to step outside of the comfort zone. It's kind of like a vicious circle. Right? So the confidence people, confident people experience self-doubt and fear just like everybody else. So when you go through this 
thought process when you feel like, oh, why do other people, right? Like you said, your, your friends, they were like, oh, if I saw one line that is kind of applicable to me or I already cover it as a competence, I'll, I'm just going for it. They would still have the fear and doubt, right? They would still. But the difference between the confident people and the rest of us is that they don't let these negative thoughts hold them back. They know that negative thoughts are just that. They're, they're thoughts. They're not facts. And so they act anyway. So if you think you're ready for the next role, but are scared to go for it, tell yourself, I'm scared, but I'm excited. And it's okay. Yes, I'm excited for the next role. And then just go for it. Preach, Nelly. That's such good advice. Absolutely. Uh, conversely, if we're talking about confidence, let's talk about the dark side, arrogance. The risk with being overconfident is being less open to new ideas. Um, you mentioned you listen to a lot of um, podcasts. One of the podcasts I really love is is by Adam Grant, and he wrote an excellent book called Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And one of the notable quotes that I love is we favor the comfort of conviction over the discomfort of doubt. And that has a lot to do with what you just outlined, right? But how do we navigate this dichotomy to maintain a growth mindset? Mm -hmm. This is a great question. And all being less open to new ideas is not the worst that can happen to an overly confident person. Mm -hmm. It makes one prone to making mistakes. Right, True. because you, you kind of think about you take your judgment as more true than it is objectively, and so then depending on the situation, that can lead to a disaster. Right, if you are uh, a doctor, your overconfidence can lead to a fatal mistake. Right, if you're talking mm -hmm. about the business, it can be fatal to a business. Now. Amrita already mentioned, right, the balance between the competence and confidence, but there's a third participant in this balance, courage. <laughs> courage is the third one. Because remember, we spoke about facing your fear. So if you mm -hmm. think about competence as skills and confidence as belief in your skills, then courage is taking action to develop and practice those skills. So you balance competence and confidence by taking action. And it's a loop that needs to start with competence. Example, I was an application engineer in the low voltage motor control centers. And we had a few projects that needed to be managed, but we didn't have any project managers. So I raised my hand and I said, I would like to lead a few of these, of these projects. And so I did. I tried a few projects and I learned how to build the schedule and I learned how to manage the stakeholders. And I did all of these things and I grew the competence just a little bit. And that gave me confidence that maybe I should go for a project manager role. And I applied for it and I got into my next role as a project manager. And then I needed the courage. So I took steps to actively develop those project management skills. Part of it is on the job. Another part is I needed to get the PMP certification, project management professional, right? Then you get to the next level of competence and that gives you confidence 
to say, well, maybe now that I have this competence, I can lead a larger project, more complex, more challenging. Then you go to your boss and say, I want a bigger, a bigger project, right? That's courage. You go to your boss and you ask for it. And then as you start managing that larger project, you develop this competence. So again, it's a loop. Competence, confidence, courage, right? You need courage to develop competence and that will give you confidence. So what is arrogance? Arrogance is confidence without competence. And what about courage? It sounds like without courage as well. Well, and maybe even without courage, right? Yeah, when I think about somebody that I would classify as very arrogant, I don't know that it it takes a lot of uh, courage because I think it takes courage to speak up and do the hard thing and do the right thing and say when you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, confidence by itself is isn't about feeling superior to others, right? It's a quiet inner knowledge that yeah. you're capable, but it does require that you take courage, right? To take safe risks, to develop those, and then you get the competence. This is an excellent segue to our next question, Nelly, is um, what practices or habits do you find helpful in preserving your confidence? Um, I mean, you have had such a great career and, you know, you grew throughout your career. So while you're managing these demands of the career and personal life, right, what, what were those habits that kind of help you to grow and grow your confidence as well? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is about managing self-talk. How do you continue positive conversation to yourself about yourself, right? A lot of times going through so many challenges of life that we just talked about, right? The COVID being one of them. How do you keep yourself speaking about yourself to yourself positively? There are a few things that you can do. I I heard again at our Denver Wi-Fi event, meditation is one of such things that you can do, right? What I really like is journaling. I have been keeping the journal since I was 13 years old. And it all started, I know, it all started with like very simple, today is a good day, right? I (laughs) ate pancakes for breakfast, you know. Lunch was good. (laughs) And then you go into your teenage years and you get into all of these different dramas, right? She looked at me, but then she said this, (laughs) right? And, but eventually you develop this self-reflection skill where you start seeing the patterns throughout your journal you start seeing the patterns huh it seems like this is a trigger for me Hmm. it seems like I really like that Hmm. it looks like right like so you get to know yourself a lot and that gives you not only the knowledge of yourself but also appreciation of yourself that's one thing journaling I would say is my go-to thing the second thing that I really like is so we have a classmates chat in whatsapp and we have kept our friendship very strong throughout the years and we somehow we all know each other's birthdays and each birthday our chat just bursts with messages <laughs> hey, and so you know happy birthday and once in a while um 
what you see there is not just, hey, happy birthday, I wish you happiness and health, but something that the person remembered about you. And they say, oh, you're always such a positive, right? And they start writing about you and what they like about you and what they always um, really found fascinating about you or a particular story where, where you got to shine. Maybe you don't even remember that story. Maybe you really never thought about yourself in such a way, but they did because that's what you were to them when you were in school together. I copy those and paste them into a separate file. And in the times when I'm particularly hard on myself and I don't feel super confident, I open that file and I scroll through those happy birthday messages because they really make me feel good about myself. So whether it's the cards on your birthday where somebody really took an effort to say something about you or a thank you note or whatever that is, keep them. Maybe it's a chat in teams from your boss who just maybe wrote just one line saying, hey, you handled this very well. I keep those two. I keep all of it. And that becomes my repository of the self-confidence boost whenever I need it. Incredible. That's so cool with the with the friendship too, group chat. That's an awesome gift. Nelly, uh, we can confidently say it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for all of the tactical advice and the wisdom and the laughs as always. Yeah, absolutely. If if I don't know if there's an opportunity to place here that little audio file uh, with a quote. Actually, it's from an interview. Do you know the actress Zoe Saldana? Yes. All right. So she gave an interview. um, And if you just Google, if we can insert it here, let's insert it here. If we cannot, just let's just the audience, let's ask them, Google Zoe Saldana. I know who I am. Because that short two to three minute audio file is the essence of what confidence is. This is what all of us should feel about ourselves. So we couldn't find the the audio file, but we thought we should just read it out. So this is a poem by Zoe Saldana. Um, That's how it goes. That's my biggest achievement in life. I know who I am. I love who I am. I like what I do and I like how I do it. I like my mistakes and I like the way I learn. And I like the pace with which I learn my mistakes. I don't want to be anybody else but me. Well, thank you, ladies. It's been an absolute pleasure being part of this team today. Thank, thank you for this you. conversation, Nelly. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Yes, I feel more, I feel more confident. For sure. <laughs> I feel lighter. <laughs> now I do too. I've been an audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank Have you.